The AMA Moving Medicine podcast highlights innovation and emerging issues that impact physicians and patients today. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's Moving Medicine video and podcast. Today, we're discussing one of the biggest changes in the residency application process that came out of the pandemic, virtual interviews, and what medical students need to know to ace them. I'm joined today by Dr. John Andrews, the AMA's Vice President of Graduate Medical Innovations in Chicago, and Dr. Candace Johnson, a transition year resident at West Virginia University in Morgantown, West Virginia. She'll be doing her diagnostic radiology residency at Ohio State. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. Andrews, Dr. Johnson, welcome back. You both have been on the program before, but Dr. Johnson... Lots changed for you. First of all, congratulations on your match. When you joined us last year, you were a fourth year medical student going through this process yourself. Now you're a few months into your residency. Let's talk a little bit for starters about your overall application experience. How'd it go? Was it uh, more difficult than you thought it would be? Um, actually, it seemed like in hindsight, at least a little bit easier. Um, I feel like as a like type A personality, I like to have a little bit more control over the situation. And so with like virtual interviewing, I had more control over like my environment. I had a little bit of cues around me that I could feel more comfortable with when doing an interview. Did you so, have like sticky notes all yeah. around your laptop up there? But uh... yeah, just to tell on myself, I totally had sticky notes around my laptop of like little talking points that if I would want people to know about me that maybe I would forget to talk about if I didn't have like a little cue. I also had my CV off to the side just in case I blanked on like anything in particular. Well, sticky notes aside, is there anything that you did, you know, to prepare for these interviews, uh, you know, that, that was different than what you might've done if it were going to be in person. And in hindsight, you feel like you were well, well prepared enough. Would you have changed anything? Um, so I think one of the biggest preparation things that I did was I would get on the different type of um, like Zoom or Thalamus or whatever and practice a little bit just because everything works a little bit differently. Um, one of the things I found super helpful was when I'm like on a Zoom call or something like that. I've got you guys super duper tiny up really close to the um, camera. That way I'm always looking kind of directly at you when I'm looking at the camera as well. So I have a little bit better eye contact. I got told I had really good eye contact on a few of my interviews. So I felt like that was pretty helpful. And that's, a, my- that's, a, that's a new thing here in Zoom world. Uh, good eye contact, uh, <laughs> that's amazing. Dr. Andrews, on the program side, you know, we learned a lot uh, in this first year of virtual interviewing. What would you say the highlights were? Yeah, well, it, thanks, Todd. It's it's worth notice. It's worth noting that um, none of this would have happened without the pandemic. Like, no one was going to put a toe in the water to uh, offer virtual interviews to their candidates unless everybody did it. And the pandemic forced everyone to do it. And for a lot of the reasons that Dr. Johnson uh, cites, the consistency, of the experience was something I think the programs really welcomed. Um, they got a very consistent view of their applicants uh, from all different regions of the country. Um, I think on the program side, it was somewhat easier to organize. There's a lot of manpower that goes into interviewing and to corral faculty members physically to meet with people in a location on the campus is a little more difficult than providing them with a Zoom link. And once again, thanks to the pandemic, people know how to use Zoom. The the technical requirements and the education that needed to go into that was pretty limited. 
And so I actually think it went pretty well. Um, on the downside, I think programs really missed the opportunity to display the learning environment uh, to their interviewees. And I'd be interested in Candace's reactions to that because um, you don't get to arrive at the institution, get a feel of the place, the geography, actually meet, the, meet a, a large number of people. And that's a big difference. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of programs felt that that was a loss. Yeah, I definitely feel like that was one of the things missing. Um, I did appreciate all the videos and where they tried to like give you an idea of what their campus and everything was like, but having that like in-person experience is something that you can't really beat. Um, so when I was trying to do my rank list, like kind of in January, I would go visit maybe a couple places just to make sure that it was kind of a good fit. Um, if I had family in the area that always made it a plus because they could always tell me about like Columbus or Morgantown and see kind of what the time like town is like that way I would have a good idea from that standpoint um, but you are missing kind of that in-person um, just influence I'm a very visual person it's nice to like see how things are connected I was actually pretty astonished with WVU how huge it was compared to the hospital I was at in medical school so it was nice seeing it in person before starting. Dr. Andrews We've got a year under our belt of uh, virtual interviewing. We're in the second round of this right now. Are we seeing programs making changes uh, to capture, you know, what they learned? What what would those changes look like? Yeah, I, well, to Dr. Johnson's point, I do think that programs are really um, looking carefully at what resources they can provide to applicants to help them understand what it might be like to train there for the next three to five to seven years. And so the quality of uh, videos and other resources that uh, programs are producing is increasing. Um, I think that uh, we're, we've all learned how to effectively use Zoom and so, uh, and, and other uh, online tools. And so the, um, the consistent experience that they're able to offer to applicants in terms of um, the way that their faculty and other interviewers interact with the applicant virtually um, those standards are being raised as well. And then the other thing that's happening is the scheduling of interviews is becoming much cleaner, I think. You know, Dr. Johnson mentioned the use of tools like Thalamus um, to schedule interviews. And in the virtual space where uh, really all you're doing is exchanging a link and a calendar invitation, that's becoming much more seamless as well. So I think there have been some positive things to take away from it moving forward. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. You, you know, when you look into the future, Dr. Anders, do you, do you, what, what portions of this do you see continuing on despite what we hope would be the end of the pandemic? Well, well, for, for both reasons of the economic burden it places on applicants to travel um, and concerns about inequities that may result from that, um, there's been an interest in virtual interviews for a long time. And as I said earlier, no one was going to take the first step because they're 
would be a relative, I think, competitive disadvantage to being the only place that did virtual interviews while everyone else was offering them in person. I think there's gonna be a strong interest in programs when uh, the pressures of the pandemic ease to return to in-person interviews for a lot of the reasons we've already discussed. They think that meeting people in person is, um, is a better way to understand um, how they might fit into the environment at their, um, at their program. Uh, I hope those pressures don't lead us away from virtual interviews. I think we've gained a lot in terms of efficiency, in terms of reduced burden on the applicants, and frankly, in, in terms of the attention applicants are able to pay to their ongoing clinical education during the fourth year, rather than traveling all over the country, um, that are a strong argument for continuing, continuing virtual interviews. Dr. Johnson, I'm curious, you know, you've gone through this process a year ago in the, uh, the first year of the virtual interviewing. Do you have any particular advice for medical students that are about to embark on this particular process themselves? So I think that honestly, like when I was mentioning earlier, I had a couple sticky notes around my computer. It was kind of things that I wanted programs to know about me and I wanted to be able to like slide them in there every now and then because if you aren't able to let them know who you are or you're not being true to yourself in this like scenario, you're not gonna be able to find a perfect match for you and they're not gonna be able to put you in like where you're supposed to be. If that makes when, you, sense. when you think about yeah. your interviews all of oh. last year, mm -hmm. is there one particular you know, story you told, set of experiences, <laughs> any answer that sticks out in your mind as like, that was a home run? Um, so I actually made my um, personal statement kind of like a storyline, um, kind of like interwined how I'm like very big into road trips. My family's been doing them my entire life. And it kind of gave like really big talking points during my interview season. Like a lot of people are very interested in road trips. We all kind of talk back and forth about what was our farthest road trip, where have we been, like kind of. I don't know the word for it. I'm blanking. <laughs> Tick for that. Um, just having fun. And it just makes it a lighter environment. <laughs> so more personal. Uh, and yeah. and use use the real estate around your screen to keep keep oh. those stories top top of mind. Dr. Andrews, you know, from the program perspective, are there any do's and don'ts uh, from your end about succeeding in this environment? Yeah, I think one thing to remember is to be flexible and adaptable. Mm -hmm. uh, in the interview process, in addition to getting to know you better, programs are looking to how you react to certain situations, how you might react under stress. So when your audio drops, your video freezes, or your cat jumps on your head, um, I, I think you have to take that in stride. You have to accept that as a part of the virtual interview experience um, and react to it uh, with some flexibility and a sense of humor about it. And I think that will impress programs. Mm -hmm. Dr. Andrews, you, you, uh, and bo actually both of you have mentioned thalamus. Um, uh, and I want to just dig in a little bit more because the AMA has been working in this arena of medical education and residency uh, for quite a while. And I'm curious uh, about some of the initiatives that are underway right now to improve the residency research and application process. Dr. Andrews? Yeah, thanks, Todd. We, we support a number of initiatives that are related to this transition from UME to GME. Um, one of those projects that I think a lot of people have heard about is through the Association of Professors of Gynecology and Obstetrics, where they're really working within an entire specialty 
to improve the residency selection process. One of the things that they've done over the last two cycles is to raise standards for how interview invitations are issued, for ensuring that there aren't more interview invitations issued than slots available, mm -hmm. and also raising standards around, around the way those interviews will be conducted. And with the use of a tool like Thalamus that uh, compiles data about the interview experience, we're actually learning about how programs and applicants behave in this environment. And so um, we know, for example, that the OB programs that issued those standards showed a very high level of compliance with those standards uh, going forward, which was heartening to see. We also hope to answer some questions about whether concerns about things like interview hoarding are actually valid. By interview hoarding, I mean the idea that um, a small number of very talented applicants will be invited to interview at many, many programs, will accept all of those invitations and then create an environment that excludes other applicants from interviewing. Um, and some of the data that we gather through tools like the scheduling software that Thalamus uses may help us to answer some of those questions. I love that because, you know, in so many arenas where data plays such a key role, it's good to move beyond the anecdotal and kind of individual experiences of different programs to be able to look at that data in the aggregate and learn from it, uh, especially now. Um, Dr. Johnson, is there anything uh, you'd like programs to know in terms of how they can better support medical students going through this process? Well, so I think during a couple of my interviews, I did have like um, some residents who gave a kind of presentation on what it's like to be a resident in the area, like family-wise, like good school districts, um, what they'd like to do for fun, where to eat, all those kind of things. And um, it's something that I've kind of incorporated at the TY program I'm at now. I proposed it and a few of us put together a PowerPoint that we now give to our applicants who come through. And we've had really good feedback on it. It's like it made my decision a lot easier. It gave me a lot of information about the area, gave me a lot of information about your experience during this um, past few months of intern year. Um, so I feel like that's definitely very powerful and something that the applicants very much appreciate. Uh, Dr. Andrews, uh, you know, before we finish, is there anything else uh, in terms of advice to uh, medical students now or guidelines for guidance for uh, programs? Well, I might just go in a little bit of a different direction and suggest that I'm going to be really interested looking forward in what the long-term impact of the virtual interviewing experience is. If you look at last year's match, on paper, the match was similar to previous years in terms of the success rate that applicants had and the success rate the programs had filling their programs. But as virtual interviews become more prevalent, I wonder what the long-term effect is gonna be of on uh, trainees as they essentially choose their training environment over television, right? Like, like for the reasons that Dr. Johnson mentioned, she talked about people explaining what it might be like to move there uh, to perhaps to bring their families with them. And I think um, the impact of selecting programs, perhaps without ever having visited before you arrive to train is going to be really interesting. I'm looking in my crystal ball and I see more digital marketing yes. as part of this, <laughs> but I'm, I'm biased. Uh, thank you. So, that's right. Uh, Dr. Andrews, Dr. Johnson, thanks so much for being here today and uh, sharing your perspectives. Uh, just uh, so you know, the AMA has resources for medical students going through this process, including Frida, the AMA residency and fellowship database with more than 12,000 ACGME accredited programs. Visit frida.ama.assn.org for more information and AMA member exclusive tools like the residency calculator to help you calculate your application and match fees. 
Uh, Frida also offers program overviews, allows you to take notes and rank programs on a dashboard and has a series of videos to help you through each stage of the application process. Uh, my team has been working very hard on that along with the folks in our med medical education group. And I can tell you, really, really valuable resource. We'll be back soon with another moving medicine video and podcast soon. Be sure to click subscribe on AMA's YouTube channel, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts for on all of our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcast. Thanks for joining us. This has been Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.